I'm excited to be here. If I've not met you, my name is Clayton. And as Jamaica alluded to, um, yes, I have a beautiful wife. Her name is Adriana. I'm going to share a few exciting things with you. And probably the most exciting thing is we just celebrated our eighth year anniversary this week. Isn't that great? Isn't that great? Thank you. So um, for eight years, it's been just us. And then... We are expecting a son in three months. So, hey, 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 hey. So you have to think about this though. Eight years, two people know each other extremely well. I know when my wife wants to laugh, when she doesn't, unfortunately. Uh, what makes her happy, what, everything about it. We know each other so extremely well, but pregnancy has introduced some new things. And I I thought, man, had I known these things before, it might have been a little bit of a a, a smoother ride. And so I thought I would like to share a few of those things. Um, And just in case anyone's in the same boat as me. Yeah, you got got a notebook out, Sam? Great. Um, These are things I learned during pregnancy. I thought they would be helpful. The first one is an empty bowl does not mean my wife is finished eating. So now when you go take the bowl to the, the sink, make sure you ask her if she's finished. Just a good thing, like a good husband would do. Uh, the second thing is wants and needs are all needs. So just take out wants out of your vocabulary, smoother ride all the way. Uh, the third thing, when your wife orders hot dog buns, make sure she also remembers to order the hot dogs. Something I didn't know, it made for a very interesting lunch. If, if you know, hot dog buns, ketchup, and mustard is your way to go, then perfect. But just things to remember to look out for had I known about, would have made a little bit of a smoother ride. But in all reality, um, you know, pregnancy has probably been one of the most amazing experiences. And if you have had kids, you know that experience and how awesome it is. And now we're just looking forward to seeing our son face to face. Now I'm going to transition into the message because who else I enjoy seeing face to face is my heavenly father. Hey, dude, I, guys, I don't even need to, I'm done. I'm done. And who is in a perfect position and my title today is power and position. Hey, All day long, I'm going to go, hey, okay? So you guys just jump in. In the chat, you can just say, hey, as long as you want. We'll love that. Um, If you haven't uh, seen some of the last few messages we've had, make sure you check them out. Pastor Kenneth and Pastor Julian had some incredible words that uh, I believe is for our church, for our body, for our nation. So just make sure you guys check those messages out um, as, you, as you join and watch um, Oasis. So the first thing I want to, to introduce, I'm going to be talking about power. I've already said that, but in order to understand power, you really have to also understand authority and how they work together. So a lot of times in the Bible, you see power and authority. So a basic understanding of power and authority would be if, if you were a passenger on a ship and you went up to the captain and said, let me steer the ship. He would say, no, you don't have the authority <laughs> to steer this ship. Even if you were trained, even if you said, I have a license to, to steer this powerful vessel he would still tell you no because you have not been granted authority to do so by the owner. 
So basically, if you ain't the captain, you ain't happening. Eh? Eh? Okay? Good? Smooth? Great. So that's a basic understanding of power and authority. Authority gives you the permission to use the power. So I want to jump into um, a Bible verse. And if you've read the Bible or if you're new to the Bible, there's a moment where the devil tempts Jesus three times. And I want to focus on the second temptation that's written about in Luke. So let's jump in that. And the devil took him, Jesus, up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and said to him, to you, I will give all this authority and their glory for it has been delivered to me and I give it to whom I will. Did the devil actually have authority? Yes. But how did he get that authority? Who did he get it from? Adam and Eve. So when we go back to the beginning, God gave Adam and Eve dominion and authority. There was a moment where Adam and Eve and the devil all existed and the devil did not have authority yet. But then we know the devil tempted Adam and Eve and they sinned and agreed with the devil. And in that moment, the authority was given over to the devil. So to recap, Adam and Eve had the authority gave it to the devil. And now we're in this moment where the devil is offering that same authority back to Jesus. Jesus declined the offer. Why? Because no true king takes a shortcut to the throne. Hey, come on guys. Hey, thank you. Thank you. I'm gonna do that one more time. A true king doesn't take a shortcut to the throne. Thank you. That feels so much better. So after Jesus dies, And then after his resurrection, he then says, all authority has been given to me. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. So I want to make sure we're all on the same page. Brianna, what does all mean? All, great. Sam, what does all mean? Perfect. In chat, what does all mean? Just type it out. I know somebody won't write it right, but it's okay. It is all. Um, Jesus said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. So this next verse I'm going to read, uh, I want to make sure we're on the same page, but Jesus said all authority. So who did Jesus now give that authority to? Me and you, all of us. So now Jesus gave that authority to us. So this is probably, I'm going to read from Colossians. This next verse is probably the most important thing I will share with you guys today. You were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ for he forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. So this next part, verse 15, I want you to stay focused on this one. In this way, nailing it to the cross, taking our sins away, Jesus disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. Catch this. In order to understand how important this verse is, what does armed mean? Equipped to carry a weapon. So what does disarmed mean? No weapon, not to take a weapon away. What does unarmed mean? Not equipped with a weapon. Our enemy does not have a weapon in this fight. He is unarmed. For 2,000 years, we've heard a lie from the enemy that he has authority. But the thing is when Jesus died, he basically took that authority and said, my son and my daughter, you guys get that authority. The same authority that Adam and Eve 
gave away. I'm saying it is for my sons and daughters and this is in my will. So once I die, it's executed. This means you have authority. You can stand on this verse to know that you have authority over anger. You have authority over insecurity. Whatever it may be, you can stand to know that Jesus died and when he took all of our sins, he got all authority back to us. That deserves an A. I need that. This is the most important thing to understand because a lot of times we can get in the thought that the enemy has the upper hand. Is it true that the enemy can still have authority? Yes. How does he get it? By doing the same thing he did to Adam and Eve, by getting us to agree with him. When we agree with him, we give that authority up. But here is the difference. Here's the biggest difference is now we can say that authority belongs to me. Jesus does not have to die. When he died, that was a forever guarantee that the authority belongs to us. Our name is written on it. And you might be saying, hold on. There's no way, I've done way too much for Jesus to give me any type of authority. And maybe you've been in a place where people have treated you in a way to where you feel like, maybe I don't deserve this authority. But I would ask you, who told you that? Where have you heard that? Because I've read a lot of the Bible and I can't find any place where Jesus turned to someone and said, Clayton, you know that uh, sin that uh, you haven't told anyone about, the one that you keep doing? Um, Heaven had a really good spot for you, but you're going to have to go to the other place. That's not in the Bible. There is, when Jesus said, all that come to me, all that confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe God raised him from the dead, will be saved. And with that inheritance, you get authority. You get to walk with authority. So now that we know that the devil does not have a weapon, there's something else we have to focus on is when Jesus died and then was resurrected he then went to heaven sent his holy spirit to us and now we can be in constant communication but what we have to realize is there's a position that god has that we don't if i said guys i have this perfect viewpoint of something and i told you what it was and i said you can either choose my viewpoint or somebody's that knows the viewpoint of how many people we got 7.8 billion people in the world right now knows every thought that they think every feeling that they have this person knows how today affects tomorrow how today affects two weeks from now how today affects 10 years from now whose perspective whose position would you want to go to hopefully somebody Anna would you would you want my position no she still go with God that's a, that's a great wife but God has this position that when we go to him when we spend time with him he allows us his position gives us the best position. There's been a few times uh, Anna and I have been praying for something. And uh, even a few years ago, we felt like God said to book a trip to Manila. And it was one of those times where God spoke and it was like, this is so odd because we don't have a lot of money. We don't have any reason to go to Manila. So why are we going there? But we understood that God's position sometimes moves us into a position that we don't understand. And so we booked, well, before we booked the flight, uh, we don't always do this, but we did say, God, can you confirm it? And so the next day we were in a lift and um, the lift driver took a wrong turn and stopped the car, 
And right where he stopped the car, in big letters, it said on the side of this building, Manila. Wow. <laughs> so we're like, so we didn't book the flight, obviously. No, just joking. We booked the flight um, for these dates that we thought were it. And uh, when we booked it, the, the flight we were supposed to be on got canceled. Then we got on this later flight and the person that was supposed to sit next to us was up one seat and the person that wasn't supposed to be sitting next to us was right next to us. So a lot of things that shouldn't logically happen, but we knew God was putting us in position. We, the whole time we're praying, God, why are you putting us here? Why are we going this route? Um, and so we started talking to this lady and come to find out her, her mom had just had a brain aneurysm. And as soon as we started talking, it was so overwhelming that God was like, this is why I brought you here, go to the hospital. So I spend the next few hours trying to convince a lady that doesn't know me and my wife that we are supposed to go to the hospital with her and her family as soon as we get off the airplane. So at first she's like, no, you do not need to come. You can just pray for her now. But I had this urgency that there was a position God was placing us and this was it. The whole trip, I thought it could have been something else. No, it was for this person. And so we get off that plane ride and she, she's saying, okay, fine. We meet her husband and their kids. And like, who are these two people with you? And why are they getting in our car? And so nobody, nobody kind of knew what was happening, but we said, just take us to the hospital. So we get to the hospital and then like, you guys can't go in. Um, the, the, the laws or whatever the reason was, the rules were at that point, wouldn't let us in. But we just said, can we, can we please go in? And eventually we actually, they took us up and we got to pray with her. And in that moment, I knew I had the authority. God brought us there. He had the position and he took us all the way from Los Angeles to Manila to pray for this lady. And she, she at that point was lifeless, but I, I would love to tell you that um, we got to pray over her and she's fully recovered. And I'm not saying it's just my prayer. What I'm saying is I said, God, what position do you need me in? And he moved us into a position because I recognized also that I had the authority. So once you understand you have the authority, once you understand you have the position, now I want to talk a little bit more about power. And there's, there's a lot of things God gives us power to do. Uh, obviously, there's, there's healing, there's um, signs and wonders, but there's a few things I feel like God put on my heart to talk to you about. And the first is there is power in what we think. And the verse I want to read from is Philippians 4, 8 through 9. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. And then it goes on to say, then the God of peace will be with you. Sometimes I have read that, but what actually happens is finally, brothers, Whatever is untrue, whatever is dishonorable, whatever is unjust, whatever is impure, whatever is hated, whatever is disgraceful, if there's anything defective, if there's anything worthy of criticism, think about these things. It is so easy to almost train our way of thinking to be this negative way of thinking. You can look anywhere right now and there's constant negativity. And if we're not careful, we condition our way of thinking to think about the negative versus the true, the honorable, the just, the pure, the lovely. Um, over the last few years, I've had the 
honor of getting to help lead our internship program. And one of these years, uh, we had what we have, we call a uh, beach retreat day. And we go out to Santa Monica, we worship in the morning, we have chapel, and then we have these games in the afternoon, the most epic games you will ever play, I promise you. You should join our internship program when it comes back. And so we were there one day, and at near the end of the day, uh, we start to wrap up, and we realize one of our interns lost her car keys. So there's still about 40 of us. So we, we lock arms, and we, we shuffle our toes through the sand, and we're, we're uh, diving in the sand, going everywhere we've been, but it's not looking good because we can't find the keys. And there's 40 of us all trying to find the keys. So we're getting to the point of calling uh, a tow truck and trying to figure out how we can get a new key to her. And then one of the interns had an idea. How about we call somebody with a metal detector? Cool. All right. So this, this guy does show up. He, I don't know how he got there so fast, but it, he must have been on speed dial somehow. <laughs> but he, he was there within like a few minutes. He comes out with like this six foot metal detector and he's so confident he's going to get this key. And so we're like, cool. So he goes out there and I kid you not, in like 20 minutes, what 40 people could not do, he finds this key. Now think about this. If he had shown up and said, uh, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to try and find the sand. I'm going to move all the sand out of the way. And after I find all the sand, then I'll find the treasure. If his metal detector was just a sand detector and started going through and trying to find the sand, he would never find the treasure. And that's what happens when we start thinking the negative things. The Bible says you overcome evil with good. So why do we focus on the evil so much? If you keep focusing on the negative thoughts, you will never get to the good ones. You only overcome the evil ones, the negative ones with good thoughts. What is true, what is honorable, what is just, what is pure, what is lovely, what is commendable, what is excellence, what is worthy of praise. And then it says the God of peace will be with you. These things allow God to dwell with you. Now, it doesn't mean you avoid things that are going on in the world. Obviously, there's, there's absolutely things we need to talk about, but can you dwell what is true within that situation? What is honorable? Can you find what is just, what is pure, what is lovely? Because God is everywhere and he wants to dwell and bring that peace amongst you. And when you start thinking this way, burdens become something that, rather than thinking about the burden, you start thinking about a blessing, Rather than thinking about maybe a past sin, you're now thinking about a promise. And it changes the way that you interact with God. For me, a practical thing I do is every morning I find a quiet time with God and I will sit down. And it's every day is different, honestly. There are some days I joke around with God. I'm like, how's heaven going, God? How's the angels doing? But there's an interaction just like I would interact with any of you guys, any of my friends. Like that's how I talk to God. It's nothing to where it's always organized. Yes, I will bring heavy stuff to God, but I also talk to him about light things. I talk to him about funny things. I talk to him about them and I ask him questions. And I try and say, if there is something that is heavy on my heart that I can't find any good about, God, show me something that is good. Show me something in the situation that gives me your position, your perspective, because once you have that, it changes everything. So there is power in what 
we think. Uh, the other one I want to talk about is there is power in what we say. In Proverbs, it says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. So let me pose this question to you. Would God want us to speak death over anyone? Huh? Anyone? No. If she said yes, it's okay. Forgiven. Uh, the answer is no. But why does it say that there's power life and death are in the power of the tongue then. So God gives us a choice. Think about this. When Adam and Eve sinned and they give that authority over, what did they start doing with their tongue? They started blaming each other because they were no longer speaking life. Their authority was no longer with God. So now they're speaking death. And one other verse to add to this is in John, Jesus says, for I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment. Hear this, what to say and what to speak. And another, another way of saying that is what to say and how to say it. So God is going to entrust you with words. He's gonna give you knowledge. But in the same way, Jesus said, my father wants to make sure that I'm not just delivering the truth, but I'm also understanding and caring how to deliver it. It's very important because there's power in what we say. There's power in our words that if you're speaking life or you can be speaking death. And I would ask, when is the last time you've encouraged somebody? When is the last time you sent a text message or you picked up the phone and just said something? Whether it was, I was thinking about you and I remember you did this. You're awesome. Just something that it's not about you, but it's about them. One of those things, it, is, it gives life and it can change people's perspective. It can change people, uh, their, their, their emotions. I have been on the receiving end of that where people just say, hey man, I just wanted to say, I love you or I miss you. Whatever it may be, our words literally carry power, especially when it's under the authority and in alignment with our father, you are literally changing someone's day. Think about that. The words that come out of your mouth are changing how somebody feels. Words have power. If they don't, then why, would, why do we get hurt by them? Sticks and stones may, may break my bones is the worst thing that you can ever teach someone because it's not true. They hurt. Words hurt. I think words are maybe the most unregulated weapon in the world. We, they start wars, but also Words are the most unused vaccine that we have. Speaking life over somebody, telling them something good over them, and not just what they do, but the character that we don't see. As a body, Sam, you're gonna see something that I don't see about somebody. Some, some of you are gonna see something that I don't see. And as a body, that is why God has designed us in a way to see different things. And we're supposed to encourage people with what we see. We're supposed to actually speak those words of life over people in what you see. That is the celebration of differences. So we can also encourage each other when we see things that are different. So there's, there's power in what we say. There's power in how we think and the final thing I want to talk about is there is power in who you are. We're all made in God's image and there's power in just that alone. Uh, if you've ever taken a flashlight and either shined it in somebody else's eyes or shined it in your own, have you ever 
then closed your eyes, did the flashlight completely disappear? No. You could still experience the effect of the light. And as Christians, our job is not about running from, it's about running to. Jesus says we are the light of the world. And God, with the authority we've been given, with the power that we have, with the position Jesus died for us to have, he's gonna send us into places. He's gonna ask us to go into places where maybe everybody's eyes are closed to you. Maybe nobody sees you at work. Maybe nobody sees you at home, but you have to remember you have the authority. You have the power. You are the light. So that means even though the eyes might be closed, the effect can still be felt. You cannot discount where God is sending you because even if you just show up, a Christian says, send me God, send me wherever I can go, put me in position because when I come with authority that you've granted me, I am the light. I change the atmosphere, working with the Holy Spirit, working with you. And we have to remember that in all things, all things, Jesus died for that. So we can have it and have authority over it and not forget that the light is in us. Christianity isn't about running from, but running to. And we can't forget that there are so many things that God will put us in a position for just to be the light, just to be the experience. So I'll close with this statement is you have the authority. You know, you have the power. You know, Jesus has equipped you. Now it's time to get in position.